Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Wow, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Awesome. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. I, I, I know some of us were, were pretty excited when we got here and we heard what we were doing. We're like, yes, finally, a praying church. Others of us were like, why didn't you tell me I would have stayed home? Like, do not make me pray in front of people. So, but listen, what just happened was powerful. We just made a dent in, in the kingdom of darkness, I promise you. Amen. God heard our prayers and, this, and, and, and he answered our prayers. Trust me on this one. Uh, where's Lance and Brandy? Lance and Brandy, you guys, you guys have a 22-year anniversary today, right, or, or this week? On Friday, okay, awesome. Do, can you do me a favor? Can you stand up for me? I, I actually just want to pray a blessing over you guys. God, I believe in this season, is highlighting marriages. How many, how many else, uh, else is uh, celebrating a wedding anniversary this month? Raise your hand. If you could just, just stand to your feet. I want to pray a blessing over you guys because I really believe that God is highlighting marriages in this season. God is using marriages as a catalyst for his grace for this world. And so, Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would anoint these couples right here anoint these men and women, Lord, to use their relationship and their togetherness and their oneness as an exemplification of who you are and what you bring, Lord, the love and the hope and the grace that you bring. Use them, Lord. And I just pray over their marriages right now, over their households, Lord, that they would be a marriage of safety, that it would be a marriage of, 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 just, uh, of, of just refuge where people could run to them and seek refuge even in their marriage, Lord. Use them in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've been told that there's a rugby game starting at 12 o'clock, and so we don't have much time. Let's get this game started. <laughs> so, so, hey, listen, I want you to grab your Bibles, and I want you to turn with me over to Luke chapter 18. That's where we're going to be this morning. I've titled this message, Tooth and Nail. Tooth and Nail, because I believe we are called to fight tooth and nail. And when I say fight tooth and nail. I'm not referring to some brutal dental procedure or some you know, wild manicure session. I'm talking about actually going after the things that God is called to go after. I'm talking about you know, engaging and not disengaging. I'm, car- I'm talking about going all out, pedal to the metal, all in fighting. And some of you are like, wow, really? That's hostile. Like, that's a bit aggressive. Let's, let's slow down a little bit. No, no, no. I'm telling you that because we are engaged, whether we want to admit it or not, we are engaged in a battle. We see life oftentimes as a playground, and it is actually a battleground. And so Christ is calling us today to fight tooth and nail. And we have to be careful not to repackage Christianity. We've got to be careful not to repackage it as this polished, trouble-free life full of opportunity and promise. It is that. I believe that wholeheartedly. But listen, it comes with grit. It comes with sacrifice. And it comes with risk. 
We are called to fight tooth and nail, fight internally against those evil thoughts that we have, against anxiety and fears that we have, against sin that we're dealing with. We, we are called to fight externally against the world. And I'm not talking about you know, that president or, or that person over there. I'm talking about the world system, the world views that are hostile to God's rule, hostile to God's reign. We have to fight. And I wanna encourage you because we are 18 inches away for making a difference in this world. 18 inches away from making a difference in this world. We have to fight tooth and nail, and one of the uh, weapons that we have to engage in this fight is prayer. And the enemy seeks to defeat us, but we know that we have victory in Christ, and so with stirred hearts, willing spirits, and confidence in Christ, we make a difference in this world through prayer. And let me say it this way again, we are 18 inches away from really making a difference. And if we're being honest with ourselves, many of us don't believe that we really have the ability to make a difference. I, Adam, like you don't, I just don't have it in me to make a difference. Or maybe you feel like you don't have the resources to make a difference. Or maybe you feel like, Adam, you don't know the situations that are going on in my family. It, it is a tough one. Those are big situations. Or, or look, at the, look at the world, Adam. Like our, our country's in turmoil. The world is in turmoil. South Africa right now is in turmoil. Like we don't know what we're doing. Well, I, I, don't, I just don't believe because the situation is too, is too big that we can really make a difference. And I want to just encourage you this morning. We live in a time where we need true, authentic Christ followers, not just to rise up, but to kneel down. And we need to say, uh, uh, God, we don't know what to do in this situation, but this is what we do know. We will put our gaze upon you. We will cry out like the psalmist cried out and say, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the makers of the heaven and earth. That's where our help comes from. Now, yeah, of course, God's given us a spouse. God's given us, uh, you know, friends. God's given us brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's awesome. But ultimately, our help comes from God. And that is how we have an opportunity to really change the course and the direction of our nation and even the world. And I'm telling you, you are 18 inches away from really making a difference. And that 18 inches represents the distance between your knees and the ground. And it's that 18-inch journey that will make a difference in our lives and in the influence we have on those around us. God says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. We need to cry out to God and you say, oh, that was a promise given to the nation of Israel. Yes, you are right. Contextually, if we read that passage, it was a promise given to the nation of Israel, but I believe it is a prophetic declaration if we too, as God's people, not them, those people, not them, those people, but my people, if we will humble ourselves and pray to God, I believe that he will heal our land. Luke chapter 18. <laughs> Let's get into the word. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1, it says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Someone say, always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, and he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow, a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see 
that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. And then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have Faith. Wow. That's a powerful passage. Amen indeed. And, and, and listen, this encouragement that Jesus is bringing to us that he's presenting in here in this passage, always pray and never give up, is coming off the cuff of a conversation that he just had with his disciples. Now, you, keep in mind, I want you to, to put this in context with me, but, but the disciples were excited that the Messiah had fully come. I mean, here he is. There was a silent period when the Old Testament stopped until the New Testament started of about 400 years where nobody heard from God, or at least there's nothing written in history to say that God spoke during that time. And so they had been waiting 400 years. And finally, the Messiah that they had been waiting about, the Christ that was spoken about in the Old Testament is here and they are going after it. And Jesus is doing radical things. I mean, they are experiencing, you know, Jesus healing the lame, giving sight to the blind, raising people from the dead. I mean, he's casting out demons and he's empowering them and they're going and and like, wow, we're casting out demons too. And so here he is, he's speaking with them and and, and he's trying to tell them, listen guys, the way you think this is going to happen, it's not going to happen that way. Yes, the kingdom of God is here, but it's not fully here yet. There's some things that need to be done. So, so just keep in mind that it's not going to happen the way you think. They thought, oh, the Roman government, yeah, it's about to be overthrown by Jesus. We are about to rule and to reign. Here we go. Yes, they're gung-ho. And Jesus says, it's not going to happen that way. The kingdom of God, my rule, my reign is here, but it will be delayed in the fullest extent. And so he says, in light of that, Always pray and never give up. In other words, you're going to experience some tribulation. In other words, sin still exists. In other words, you know, there's wrongs out there. There's injustice. You're going to experience persecution. There's going to be issues in your family that you're dealing with. There's going to be issues in this country that you're dealing with. The government is not going to be nice to you. But listen, always pray and never give up. Fight tooth and nail. And prayer tends to be our last resort. And my heart this morning is that we would learn how prayer should not be our last resort, but our first resource. Prayer needs to be our go-to, not our backup. And I want to just take a second and talk about the suddens of life. Can someone say suddenly? Suddenly. Most of the time, things don't just happen suddenly. Uh, When my wife and I got married, uh, we got married in Hawaii, lived in Hawaii for a while, and then we moved to Kansas City. When we moved to Kansas City, we learned what true food was. And my wife used to make beautiful meals uh, there in Kansas City. And then on top of that, you know, Kansas City is where vegans go uh, to rehab because all you do is eat meat. I mean, that's just it. Like steak after steak, you praise God, you know, like rib after rib. I've got pictures of my oldest daughter chomping on a, a rib bone just because we love to eat ribs. And I went from a size 30 to a 32. I hit a 34. And then I went to a 36 and I should have gone to a 38, but I was in denial. I'm like, no, I'm staying in this 36 because one day I was walking by the mirror and I suddenly realized my stomach is getting quite big, right? The suddenly came upon us, but most of the stuff that we recognize as all of a sudden actually flows from something. I didn't just suddenly just eat a bunch of food all in one night. 
it happened over a long period of time, and it was good. (laughs) And when we talk about suddenly, we have to realize that most of the time, things in life don't just happen all of a sudden. In fact, most of the time, those all of a sudden moments come from something. When we wake up and we realize that suddenly our marriage is a mess. This, this, this man that's next to me isn't who I thought he was. All of a sudden I wake up and I realize it's, she is not who I thought she was. We wake up and our family is in turmoil or we wake up and there's this thing that I used to have control of that I used to enjoy now has control of me and I don't know how to stop it. All of a sudden we realize it, but what we don't realize is that most of those all of a sudden's come from gradual decisions. And in the passage we just read, Jesus is encouraging his disciples that yes, injustice still exists, that yes, sin is still happening. Yes, Satan is still running around. Yes, things aren't going to be made fully right right now. And you're going to experience persecution and injustice. But listen, you you may think all of a sudden things are bad, but I'm telling you, hang in there, pray and never give up. And when I return, it won't be all of a sudden. And when I came, it won't be all of a sudden. Why? Because I've had a plan and I've been working it out. It'll look all of a sudden, but I've had a plan and I've been working this out. I'm going to return and I'm going to make all things right. I'm going to do once and for all, eradicate sin. I'm going to rule and reign fully one day. But in the waiting, pray. But in the waiting, know that I'm doing something inside of you. You know, from my early teens, uh, about the age of 14, all the way to the age of 18, and I remember this so clearly, I was raised in the church. And, and at 14, I made a, a decision in my mind, I didn't want to follow God anymore. I, I was tired of, of going to church, and I was tired of, you know, going that direction. And so I decided I was going to do my own thing. I wasn't, you know, I didn't hate God, and I wasn't like, God, forget you. You know, I just want. Other people were doing this, and it looked like fun, so I wanted to do it too, and so I went after it. And so I began to run from God until I was about the age of 18. Now, in between there, there were moments where God would reveal himself in powerful ways. He would just bring back to remembrance, uh, you know, experiences that I had with him when I was, you know, 13 and 12 and 11 and 10. And he would just bring these things back up ever so often. I would just, these, these thoughts would just pop into my mind. But when I was 18, I rededicated my life to the Lord and I just fully was sold out to him. I am going after the things of God. And I joined the military, went to Bible college and just started doing ministry because that's what God had called me to do. And it was awesome. But I remember as a young adult, I had walked outside probably after eating some barbecue, you know, uh, ribs. Um, so I, I walked outside and go to the mailbox and, and I opened the mailbox and there's a letter my grandmother. Now, grandma would send letters all the time, but it was typically during a holiday or a birthday. And so I'm like, it's not a holiday. It's not a birthday. I wonder what's going on here. So I opened it up, you know, made sure there was no money in there. But then I began to read through the letter. And, and, and so I'm reading through this letter. And as I'm reading through this letter, I start to just, I'm overwhelmed with emotion. I'm weeping because of what's on this letter. In essence, my grandmother was like, hey, Adam, uh, grandpa and I just wanted to write you a letter to say we love you. And, and, and we wanted to let you know that when you were 14 and you begin to run away from God, when you begin to walk away from God, we never gave up. We believed that God had a calling in your life. And you know what we did is we prayed for you. Day and night, we prayed for you. We never gave up praying for you, Adam. And here's the scriptures that we prayed over you. And they began to list scripture after scripture after scripture. It's saying that we believed God was going to do that in your life. And I want to encourage you, Adam, pray these over your teenagers too. 
Pray these over your teenagers as well. And I can tell you, I've been praying like crazy. Trust me over my teenagers. But listen, my grandma and grandpa prayed for me in their secret place. And looking back when they were praying for me, that's when God began to just reveal certain things to me, right? Those little, those little thoughts that popped into my head were actually God thoughts. And I believe they're for my grandma and grandpa praying in that secret place. And listen, what went from secret went to sudden. What went from secret went to sudden. What you do in the secret will suddenly show up. When you pray, Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. You know, like where they go out in the corners and they're like, oh, listen to my amazing prayer. We're like, wow, they pray so well. You know, like he says, don't do that. No, actually, if you're, if, when you pray, go pray, close the door. You know, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Listen, one day what is done in secret, God can make sudden. But we live in a day when nobody has any time for the secret place. We're, we're looking for the sudden, but we're not looking to get into the secret place. And I believe God is calling us. Jesus is encouraging us to step into that secret place. And I'm convinced that prayer is of absolute necessity our prayers can bring revival. Our prayers can bring healing. They can change nations. Strongholds can come down when and because we pray. Ian Bounds, he was a pioneer in the, um, uh, wow, just left my mind. <clears throat> Anyways, he was a pioneer early on in the late 1800s in, in, the, uh, in the church and literally spent most of his ministry talking about prayer and studying prayer. And he wrote 11 books, nine of which were on prayer. And as he came to the end of his life and he wrote all this information on prayer and he studied prayer and he read about prayer, this is the conclusion that he came to. He says, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil, the prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven by which Christ carries on his great work upon earth. The very life and prosperity of God's cause depends on prayer. Powerful. <clears throat> Listen, God has given us his church <clears throat> prayer as provision for insight, for guidance, for relationship, and for strength. For, for, for insight, we need insight to kind of grapple, you know, with those questions and the issues that we're dealing with today. We need guidance to sort through the opinions and the strategies of people so that we can pursue the obedience of Christ. We need strength to face the ever persistent onslaught of hell and ever increasing antichrist tone and tenor of our culture. We need it. Prayer can't be a last resort. It has to be our first resource. It should be our go-to, not our backup. The Bible says that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, looking at the text here, Jesus says, always. Now, when he says always, he's not saying, okay, knees on the ground, hands held together, eyes closed, go and don't give up. No, he's saying living a life of, of prayer. He's saying in every circumstance, in every situation, pray and don't give up. Pray and don't give up. He tells us to never give up. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul says, pray without ceasing. He's not saying you, just, you do nothing but pray. No, he's saying you need to live a lifestyle of prayer. 
And he tells us to never give up because there's gonna be times when we're crying out to God for our family, when we're crying out to God for this circumstance where we don't hear God or we don't get the answer. And so we start to get bummed out and we start to lose heart. And Jesus says, listen, listen, there's gonna be those times, but don't give up and always pray. And so to encourage us not to give up and to pray, Jesus tells the story of this widow. And the story focuses on this persistent widow who doesn't have a husband to fight for right? And in that culture, that was important. But she doesn't have a husband to fight for. And she's stuck in this corrupt judicial system with this unjust judge, and she's crying out to him. And so Jesus is going to draw some parallels between us and the widow, but also a stark contrast between God the Father and this unjust judge. And I want to draw your attention to some of the contrast that he brings out with regards to the Father in heaven and this unjust judge. Number one, God hears our prayers. He does not ignore us like the judge. Notice in the story in verse four, it says the judge ignored her for a while. Have you ever felt like your prayers were going nowhere? I mean, I mean, maybe you think because God doesn't, seemingly answer, you know, a prayer like you want. It just means he's not listening. Or maybe you've, you've found yourself praying for a particular situation and, and, and God's just not stepping into that situation or you're praying for someone to change, but there is no change. And it can be, you know, very discouraging and the very, uh, you know, very challenging for us. Uh, to, to, our hope starts to fade and, 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 and we start to lose heart. And Jesus is saying, listen, listen, Jesus is encouraging us to keep on praying and not giving up because he's, he's not a God like the unjust judge. He's not ignoring us. He's listening to us. He doesn't ignore us. He really does hear our prayers and we can confidently give all our worries and cares to him because he cares. 1 Peter 5, 7. We can give them all to him because he cares. Prayer is an invitation to have a conversation with God that ultimately begins to transform our heart and beyond. And we know God hears our prayers because he promises us that he hears our prayers. And even if he doesn't answer them like we think he should answer them, it doesn't mean he's not listening and it doesn't mean he doesn't care. The psalmist declared, as for me, I call to God and he hears my prayers. Jesus in Matthew chapter seven, verse seven says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Why would Jesus tell us to keep on knocking if nobody was home? God hears our prayers. And not only does God hear our prayers, but he also is a loving father. God's a loving father, not an unjust judge. Early on in his ministry, the disciples came to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, uh, you know, we, we know about this prayer thing, but we really want to do it the right way and we want to be powerful in our prayers. How do we do this, Jesus? How do we pull this off? And so Jesus begins to teach them to pray. And the first thing that he teaches them is you need to call God Father. What? This was unheard of in that time. Really? Yes, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It would have been very unusual in that day for someone to use the term Father because it was way too intimate when we're talking about God. One, one, one theologian by the name of D.R. Carson actually did a study, and there is nowhere in history that we can see where this name Father was used of God any time before Jesus used this name. 
And so he's beginning to reveal to his disciples something powerful about God in heaven is that he is a loving father. This is, this is revelatory for them. And this unjust judge has no interest in the widow. Remember in verse four, what does it say here? It says that she does not fear God, or excuse me, he does not fear God or care about people. But Jesus is telling us our father in heaven cares very much about us. He has an interest in us and he very much cares about us. Listen, when we wanna give up, when we want to start growing weary in our praying, we have to remember that God, when we go to him in prayer, we go to him as a loving father, not an unjust judge who doesn't care about us. And so we go to a God who hears our prayers and we go to a, a, a father who loves us and cares about us, but we also go to a God who is eager and willing to answer our prayer, not reluctant like the judge. Now listen, the, the, the widow had to overcome the, the judge's reluctance. I mean, she went to him over and over and over until he finally just got fed up and is like, okay, this is ridiculous. Just give her just, move on. He got tired. That is not our God. And I think sometimes we feel like we have to do the same with God though. You know, we come to him and we persist in our prayer life. And if I could just get over God's reluctance, if I could just wear him out enough, he'll give me what I want. But this misses the point of the parable entirely. God doesn't reluctantly answer our prayers. He's not annoyed and unresponsive like the judge who finally answers out of self-interest, right? Just to get rid of her. He's on our side when we pray and he loves to answer prayers. He is kind and gracious. And not only does God love to meet our needs, but he's eager to meet our needs. And when we forget how committed God is to meeting our needs, it really makes it easy for us to stop asking for help and we become very dependent on ourselves. And, and perhaps we only ask God for the big stuff because we don't want to bother him with the small stuff. And let me just tell you, everything for God is small. Nothing is too big for God. The enemy loves to distract and discourage us in our prayers. He loves making us think that God is reluctant. Why? Because it's in the seemingly delays of God's answers to our prayers that something is happening inside of us. God is doing a work inside of us. <clears throat> and our persistence in pressing in brings about internal transformation. God is building and making us into a healthy character so that when he does answer the prayer, we're able to actually live it out and sustain the blessing that comes with it. So, what was it, a couple of months ago when the lottery was like at its all-time high, like a billion dollars or something like that, or maybe more than that? I thought to myself as I'm watching that, I'm like, I mean, why not? You know, I mean, just a couple bucks. So, so I, <clears throat> I put on my trench coat and I <laughs> lifted up my collar. There's no way I want any of you guys to see me and wrap me out to Pastor Rod. So I go to the store and I, I buy the lottery ticket and I'm on my way home and this thought pops up into my head. And I think to myself, what, what if I actually won? Like, would it change me into a bad person? I'm like, well, we can give it a shot, Lord. Let's just try it. Let's just see if it works out, Lord. <laughs> I, obviously, I didn't win uh, because Coastal would have a building project right there on the coast, or at least that's what I told God. God, if I win, I will build your church, I swear. <laughs> obviously, I didn't win. But have you ever seen those Netflix, uh, you know, there's that show on Netflix where it shows these, these lottery winners and how it ruined their life? 
Why? Because they didn't have the character to sustain the blessing. Listen, God wants to bless you, don't get me wrong, but he has a vested interest in you. He cares more about you than that blessing. He's looking for you and he's looking to build character. And oftentimes the delays in the prayers are God doing something inside of us and building something inside of us. God's eager and he's willing to answer our prayers, but he also has this interest in us and he's looking to transform us from the inside out. And so, yeah, when, you know, when we cry out to God and he, and he says, yes, those are the awesome times, right? Like, God, will you heal so-and-so? And then all of a sudden they're healed. You're like, praise God. So when, yes, when God answers our prayers with a yes, we praise God. And other times when we cry out to God and we're like, God, do this. And he's like, not now, not now. I'm doing something. What do we do? We praise God in those times, knowing that he's doing something behind the scenes that we don't see, but simply just trusting in him because we know he's a good, loving father. And number three, when we cry out to God and we're like, God, give me this. And he says, listen, I got something better for you. He's not even gonna tell us no. He's just gonna say, listen, I got something better for you. Just hang in there. Don't stop praying. Never give up. Fight tooth and nail, knowing that I've got something better for you. Now, are, pray, are motives important in prayer? Absolutely, motives important, are important in prayer. How we approach God and, and with what motives we approach God are, are super important. In James chapter 1, 5 through 6, if we need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. He's not going to rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver. For a person with a divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Matter, motives matter. Where, where is our devotion? Is our devotion on these things or is our devotion to God? One of my favorite verses of all times, and I cling to this and I remind God of this in Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. I love it. I'm, I'm like, God, you tell me in your word that you will give me my heart's desires. I desire this. And he quickly reminds me, but I said, delight myself in the Lord. Ah, and I have found out in my life that when I go to God and I begin to delight myself in prayer, God, you're amazing. You're the name above all names. Lord, you are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. You are the maker of heaven and the maker of earth. God, thank you. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for the blessings that you've given me, Lord. Oh, how I sometimes get so focused on what I don't have that I forget the blessings that I do have. And I, when I delight myself in the Lord like that, you know what happens? Those desires inside my heart begin to change, begin to transform. And next thing you know, they're in alignment with God's will and he's giving me the desires of my heart. That is the God we serve. And then, and then Jesus, he concludes this passage with, with, but when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? It's like, boom, oh, I hope it's me, please. Now, maybe the widow's situation is, is a very big situation. You've never really gone through something like that where you found yourself all alone in a corrupt judicial system, or maybe you have. But this is what I'm blown away by. Knowing he ignored her, knowing he didn't care about her, and knowing he was reluctant, she kept on asking the unjust judge, what about us? 
What about us? Knowing that God hears us, knowing that he is a loving father that cares about us and that he is eager and willing to answer our prayers, will we persist in our prayer life? Will Jesus find us praying in faith when he returns? He's coming back, church. What will he find us doing when he returns? I wanna be a praying church. I want him to find me crying out in faith. I don't know what you want, but that's what I want. I want Jesus to see me completely and utterly dependent on him crying out. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are not an unjust judge, but that you are a loving Father who hears our prayers and is eager and willing to hear them and answer them. And so, Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, there are people out here that have been crying out to you for supernatural healing, and I pray it for them and with them in Jesus' name. If anybody's going through something physical right now, I just receive this. I pray in Jesus' name for your healing. Cancer be gone. Disease be gone. Bone be made right. Heart be made right. Brain be made right. Body be made whole, healthy, and free in the name of Jesus. Anybody that's struggling with relational issues, with family situations, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, Jesus, would you intervene? Would you make all things right? Would you help that relationship be reconciled? I just pray that you'd begin to reveal your great heart for that relationship, that you would embrace that family, that you would embrace that husband and wife right now and let them know that you're in it for them and you wanna see them succeed in their marriage. And I pray for supernatural healing right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Father, you are a good, good Father. And we delight in you right now. We delight in your goodness. As all of us here have breath, as all of us here have our provisions and our needs being met. And maybe it's day by day, but, but you're meeting them, Lord. You're, you're providing food for us. You're loving your church, your body, your bride. And so we thank you, Lord, and we delight in you, King of kings, Lord of lords. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.